You say, why? Because that's the whole point. It's a test. Those people who have this crookedness in their heart. They don't worry about the most important aspects of the Quran in which guidance lies. They don't want to even look in there. Like you just heard, Salawat Jama'ah, today's hadith, prayer, zakat, so no, no, we don't want to worry about that. Forget that. They want to go and discuss things which are meant to be hidden from us. And they say, I want to get to the bottom of this. Allah says, these are the people who have crookedness in this heart. That they go after seeking those things which are not meant to be for them. Ibtigha al-fitnah. Why are they doing that? They are trying to search and cause chaos. Create doubt. Put seeds of doubt within the Muslims. ta'wili. And they are trying to go search and find the interpretation of something which was never meant for them. None know the, the interpretation of these verses except for Allah. He says in the Quran, no one knows the true interpretation of this except for Allah. I intentionally put it in here, but he says, to serve as a test to see how many of you can just lower your gaze, put your head down and say, سَمِعْنَا وَطَعْنَا We listen and we obey. And how many of you say, no, 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 no. Until I don't get to the bottom of everything, I'm not doing it. That's a fitna today. Huge fitna. Because people are not willing to submit to the deen in the things that are even clear cut because they say, I don't get that. Oh, I don't know where Yajuj Majuj are hiding if there's in the billions. I don't know either. But does that really, our deen rest on that? No, it doesn't. How does that affect you getting up for Fajr? How does that affect you paying your zakat? How does that affect you not backbiting? How does that affect uh, and being kind to your parents? It doesn't. Why don't you focus what you need to do, which is 99% of the deen. And the things that are kept hidden from us is there for a reason. The only thing that is expected from you is to believe what's, what's mentioned in the books as authentic. Believe it. Say, okay, fine. The kaf, how, when, where, I don't know. And you don't need to know. But all you need to know is that you believe in it. That's all you've been asked to do so. You, no one has told you to sit there and say, what is a plausible explanation of that? I, don't, I can share what, what ulama have said, but we don't have to even discuss that. That's not really relevant. Okay. So today, the youth are getting stuck on these issues. And they want to have long discussions, and even adults, on issues that are not really related to our daily life. And tasin is a great start for us to keep in mind that there are uh, you know, verses of the Qur'an from the very get-go, from Surah Al-Baqarah, Alif Lam Mim is the same thing. Huruf Al-Muqatta'at. Allah says, Tilk Ayatul Qur'an. Next verse. Uh, these are the revealed verses of the Qur'an. Mubin, And it is a clear book from Allah, which is elucidating the truth. Alright, so Allah says, Tilka. Tilka is something, which is what we use in Arabic, called Ism Ishara Lil Ba'id. When you're pointing to something which is far away. Ism Ishara Qareeb, when you're pointing to something which is nearby. Thalika, or Hadha rather. Hadha is for something which is right in front of you. And Thalika and Tilka is something which is far away. So why does Allah Azza wa refer to the Qur'an not only in Surah Al-Naml, but in Surah Al-Baqarah? He says, Thalika Al-Kitabu, that book. So scholars say, this is Isharatan ila Azamatihi wa Sharafihi, pointing in, uh, to the fact of the honor and the lofty status that the Qur'an has. That even when addressing the Qur'an, you are using a, 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 a word that is used for things that are far off. Meaning, I'm not even worthy to be in the Qur'an. The Qur'an is all the way up there. That's the, that's the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in which there's no doubt. Right? Not this. Instead, the way a person says, the king. 
and he addresses the king even when sitting in front of the king he'll address it in third person right that's what we're speaking about with the Quran because the Quran is so great Allah says they, these are revealed of verses ayat now what is ayah my friends ayah is a sign ayah is an alama so ayah every single Quranic verse is called a ayah and ayah means a sign why? Because every single verse of the Qur'an by itself, including Tasim, including what I'm just reading, every single verse points to the greatness of Allah. I usually repeat something again and again, and that there are three ayats. And I know many of new people coming in every week, and those who heard it before also forget usually. What is that? There's ayat kawniya, ayat taqwiniya, ayat Qur'aniya. Beautiful. How to understand Allah's greatness? Three ways. Number one, ayat Qur'aniya, the verses of the Qur'an. That's an ayah. Remember that. How do you understand Allah? How do you get to know who Allah is? Through, through the Qur'an. Number two, ayat, taqwi, uh, ayat kawniya, through nature. And number three, ayat taqwiniya, through the happenings of this world. What is happenings? Someone is dying. Someone is being born. Someone who you thought was going to die for sure got saved. Someone you thought was going to get saved ends up dying. Someone who you never thought would get married to so-and-so ends up getting married. Someone who you thought never would get that job gets that job. Don't we see this every single day? Ajeeb, interesting things. Your taqdeer, all of your own story. All of you got your own story. I have my story. Why we're sitting here today. We all got our own story. Why we're sitting here today. How we ended up coming here today. Just think about that. Right? <laughs> right? It's, it has a story. You, you ask yourself, what is that? What's your story? That is ayat taqwiniyah. It's so beautiful to think about that. Just to think, each one of us to think, in my married life, in my children's life, in my relationship with my parents, how many interesting things have happened. And you say, wow, what a coincidence. No, nothing is a coincidence. Wow, how strange. How, that looks so unplanned. Uh, all right, Asif, right? Your voice message regarding Udhiyah the other day. What is that? That's, this is what we're speaking about. Yeah, because he, he just randomly called me and he said, I'm coming back in town, I want to slaughter an animal, is it possible? And alhamdulillah, we were able to get him in touch on the last day, a couple of hours before, you know, time ends. And mashallah, within 45 minutes, 30 minutes, he's there, slaughter the animal, within another 45 minutes, he's getting it cut up into pieces uh, and, 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 and getting ready for his, you know, nice, amazing cooking, by the way. Next tafsir, inshallah, you can bring something. <laughs> right? So he was telling me how amazed he is how things just fall into place. What do you do? You do niyyah. You do niyyah and the rest, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plays it for you. So that's what this is. Ayat, you know, things, unbelievable miracles are happening every day. Three ways to understand who Allah is. Someone may ask you, your co-worker, how do you know God exists? Right? How do you know? Well, this is what I'm trying to say. This is how you know. Through, the, through, the, through these things. Now, how do you really know Allah exists? How do you know Allah is true? Well, if you start reading the Qur'an, pick it up, you'll realize. Spend an hour with it, you'll realize something. Ask so many people who've accepted Islam. What did they tell you? What did they accept Islam? On what basis? How many of them debated with a Muslim? Find me a guy who says, I debated a Muslim and I lost him, that's why I became a Muslim. I, I haven't met too many people or any people like that. Yes, I have met many people who say, I was intrigued by something and I picked up a translation of the Qur'an and I read through all of it or half of it and I was blown away. So when you're searching for Allah, you will find it. But if you're not searching for him, you're not going to find it. This is all connected to what we're going to be speaking about right now. Allah says, all, every single, these are our revealed verses of the Quran, and every single verse is an ayah. 
Okay, it's a sign for Allah's greatness. وَكِتَابِ mubin, And this is a clear book from Allah, elucidating the truth. So the, the Qur'an is not meant only for the scholars, only for the researchers. It is meant for all of us sitting here. The translation is meant for all of us. Do not try to extrapolate some brand new issue or fiqh ruling. Don't do ijtihad on it. But for us to take benefit and to take solace and comfort and to learn, there's, you, don't need, you don't need to be a scholar. By reading the Qur'an and going through the translation, the Qur'an speaks to, my, to you and I. Imagine how, how, how incorrect it would be if the Qur'an is understood by only a specific group of people, class of people. But we come from, especially from India, Pakistan, back home, this is the mindset. The mindset in the people is that, it's not my job. I don't know. The Qur'an is not for me to understand. And I'm not blaming even the scholars or I'm blaming the people. It's just a, just a complete messed up uh, apathy towards the Qur'an. Where people, either they don't read, and if they read, they, they don't look at the translation or they don't attend the tafsir, dars or whatnot. Right? Really. They, they're not interested in knowing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. So we have to fight that back. People, people have told me, why, why do you monopolize the Qur'an? And I said, where, where did you get that from? I, why do you monopolize? I have no right to monopolize. Who said that? You don't show up for the dars. You don't take Arabic classes. You're getting mad at me. You study. Who's stopping you from studying? Who's stopping you from attending classes? Who's stopping for you from learning? Don't blame us for that. We are encouraging you to listen and connect with the Qur'an. So it's Kitab Mubin. The, clear, the truth is very clear. It's not hidden in there. Allah says, Hudan wa bushra al-mu'mineen. It is a guidance to his, it is a guidance, number one. Number two, and glad tidings. Meaning, the Quran guides to the straight path of salvation, wa bushar al-mu'mineen, and his glad tidings of paradise. Who for who? For the believers. Question arises. Why is this a guidance and why is it a, a, a why is it a source of um, uh, uh, glad tidings only for the believers? What about the rest of us? So this goes to what I was saying. You won't benefit and I won't benefit from the Qur'an unless you're searching for the truth. The guy who works in a printing, Qur'an printing press factory, if he's not searching for Allah, he may not even once look inside it. There's people who have told me they've been dropped off by taxis at the haram. May Allah open up the doors for all of us again soon and for the ummah of the haram. But they were dropped off and the guy would say, I'm working here 26 years. I never came inside. He says, Maghrib Salah, I'll give you the money. Let's just pray Maghrib together. He said, no, Habibi. Thank you. No, thank you. I've been here. I've been working here. Decades. I've never come, gone inside the masjid. <laughs> Why would I come today? Okay, so when a person is not searching for the truth, you'll be right there. And, and you won't get it. Where did Abu Lahab and Abu Jahal exist? Where did Umayyah bin Khalf and Abu Talib exist? Where did all these Abu Sufyan before accept Islam? Where were all these people? They were in Mecca, they were right on the Kaaba, they were inches away from it, they were in the Kaaba, they were building it, they were doing all kinds of stuff. So the Quran will not give you guidance unless you're searching for it. So when you are, um, I mean, uh, when you are visiting, let's say some relative of yours in California, and he says, let's go to eat. He goes, takes you to a restaurant, and now he gives you the car and says, let's go back home. Most likely you're not going to be able to figure out how to go back home. Because you were, not, you were just talking casually. You were not looking at where did he make a right, where did he make a left, what directions was he taking. Because you don't have to drive. You're just going, you're taggling along. But when a person has to arrive back and go back to the same place, you're, from, you're staying alone in a hotel and you go out to eat, you need to come back, you're going to make sure you know exactly where you're taking right, left and whatnot. So then all of a sudden you start seeing the signs. The signs are always there. But you don't see them until you're looking for them. 
So the Quran already has all the signs. But we blindly go past it without seeing it if we're not looking for it. Allah says this in the Quran regarding nature. He says, uh, he says, uh, it's not that. Um, this is the end of Surah Yusuf. How many signs there are in the world that they pe- these people pass by it? In the heavens and the earth. Signs. They pass by it. Why they looking the other way? Let's look at the birth of a child. If you remember when your child was born, or you know someone, if you're following the whole process, why wouldn't, why wouldn't we fall into sujood? Like, Ya Allah, how? How? This is just amazing. How was this child born? Right? How did he come out? She come out so healthy. And how was this fi in thalath? How would this child have been created in, in so many layers of darkness? How is this? If this is not the, the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what is how is the DNA and the genes already coming out, born, ready-made with its personality? Alright? Everything. This is, this is today, if you, don't, if, you go, if you don't tell them to toast the bagel, they won't even toast it. It doesn't even come toasted. It won't even come with cream cheese. Right? Just think of simple as that. Nothing happens on its own. Everything, small thing you have to ask for. Imagine how is this entire human being being formed in, in layers and layers of darkness without the mother having Anything to do with it. She's eating and drinking. That's it. But automatically an entire factory is taken. Beyond a factory. Like one, um, one 747, now extinct. How, uh, how many, how many uh, factories are supplying the bit, bolts and nuts of that place? Of that, right? Think about it. How many suppliers? Hundreds of suppliers. Rolls-Royce itself will have, for the engine, you know, hundreds of suppliers. The company that's maybe Goodyear, I don't know which company would make the tires, has hundreds of suppliers. Every single component's got a hundred suppliers. That's for a jet which has been made by one portion of our brain. That Allah has created that through us, through human race. Imagine how complex this human being is. Without any suppliers. Without anything. All one-stop shop. One stop shop under one roof. How did Allah Jalla Jalalu create this? If this is not the qudra of Allah, my friends, then what is? But there's people who don't take notice of this. They blindly walk by it without addressing, without seeing this. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's why it says that the Quran is guidance for people who have belief. If you have belief, you'll, you will benefit from it. Abdullah ibn Umar, I'm sorry, Umar ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, yeah, again, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu mentions, he said, لَقَدْ عِشْنَا بُرْحَةً مِنْ دَهْرِنَا وَأَحَدُنَا يُؤْتَ الْإِيمَانِ قَبْلَ الْقُرْآنِ He said, we spent a time, for a long time, we live such, that one of us was given iman before Qur'an. We were blessed with iman before Qur'an. You may have heard a similar statement uh, that's mentioned in Hayat al-Sahaba, along the lines, we learn Iman, then we learn Quran, and then we increased in our faith. That the Quran comes after Iman. If a person doesn't have faith in any of this, there's no point in learning it. First, we focus on the faith. Then, the Quran, the more and more we learn about Quran, the benefit. We talked about last week about someone who says, My spouse doesn't want to wear hijab. 
my husband doesn't want to you know, uh, eat halal. We're fighting for 10 years. What should we do? So this is the problem, right? We're focusing on things that are not in order. First comes in iman. Then comes everything else. If the iman itself is weak, if you don't truly believe in, in, in this is the order of Allah, what's the point of discussing and having a fight and putting our marriage in jeopardy and kids' lives in jeopardy? Stop discussing these issues. Focus on faith and iman. There's a nice statement, Sheikh Nabulisi says. He says, "Ta'arraf al al amir qabla anta ta'arraf al amr." Get to know the commander, the one who gives you the command, before you get to know the command. Let's not talk about commands right now, ahkam, injunctions, do's and don'ts. Let's talk about where is it coming from. And in dealing with our children and people at home, we have to use the same wisdom. That instead of focusing, my brothers and sisters who are listening, many people today are crying. Because they made the mistake. May Allah save you and I from making this mistake. Big time they're crying. Tears of blood. Because they lost their kids. I have had people come to me after my talks. Brothers are involved in Jamaat work too and whatnot. They come up to me in other states. And they're like, you know, we pretty much lost our kids. Not that they, they're not involved in the masjid. They pretty much left, left Islam. Because of the way we made mistakes. We were not following what we were ourselves preaching. And we weren't focusing on, on akhlaq and iman at home. It was all about do's and don'ts. And now, after so many years, we made tawbah, we made tawbah, tawbah, made mistake. And, and now we're, alhamdulillah, I mean, I'm telling one brother who had success, but he was saying, please, stop speaking to the kids, speak to the adults. They need to hear it more than the kids, because we screwed them up. We messed them up in the first place as parents. Thinking that we are doing khair and good for them, we ended up pushing them away from the deen. So the mistake comes in when we focus on do's and don'ts instead of focusing on who is it coming from? The azama of Allah, the mahabbat of Allah needs to come into our heart, my friends. One great way to do that is to speak about Allah at home with our children. Anything that we're enjoying, make nisbah towards Allah. Someone whose father is overseas, he's in the army or he's working overseas. The wife, she shares all the good things. She misses her husband. She cries quietly at night, missing her husband who's not there for a year or two years. She buys, new, she buys things for her son. Eid is here. Dad is not there. Right? She buys him Eid clothes and gifts and whatnot. And then a new bicycle is coming. All that stuff. But if she's a faithful wife, what happens? She always will say, Baba sent this for you. Baba sent this for you. Which is true. He's probably depositing the money as is the case for millions of people who are living separately because of work and whatnot. He says, Baba said this to you. So this child did never, it doesn't see his Baba for a year or two in person. But his love for his dad only keeps on increasing. When he eventually comes face to face with his dad, he's fallen in love. He wants to give him a big hug. Right? Think about it. Even though he hasn't seen his dad for so long. But because the mom kept on attributing all the gifts he had to his dad. So imagine husband and wife together. We start attributing everything we share with them towards Allah. And we say the fact that I'm being nice to you, oh Baba, thank you so much, you've been so kind to me. True, but guess what? My love for you is not, it didn't, wasn't something I earned. Allah put your love in my heart. I wouldn't have done this for you hadn't Allah inspired me to love you. Your mom wouldn't have stayed awake all night looking after you hadn't Allah inspired her to love you. In reality, as much as we love you, all of this is a teeny tiny Reflection of the love of Allah for you. Now if this child hears this every day, imagine how much he's going to love Allah. And when you say that whenever you need anything, turn to Allah and ask Him. Teach Him how to turn, to turn to Allah and ask Him. My friends, that would be the greatest gift we can give to our kids. Greatest gift. You can die in peace 
knowing that your child knows how to get through life. Not because he has a very fancy degree, but because he knows how to ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. So this is what Umar radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu is saying. We learn Iman before we learn the Qur'an. And this is how uh, the Qur'an is saying, the Qur'an will be benefit to people of Iman. What, are, what is the sign of the people of Iman? Those who duly establish salah. Those who give charity. And who within themselves have utter certainty of the eminence of the hereafter. Okay, these are three things mentioned here. Three signs of Iman. Number one, prayer. Establishing prayer. There is no Iman without Salah. person cannot be a Muslim without Salah. This is the sign of Iman. That wherever, whenever we are, we hurriedly run towards Salah. Iqamat salah May Allah make you and I and our children from amongst those who establish Salah. Rabbi ja'alni muqim salah Wa min dhuriyati. Oh Allah, make me and my children from amongst those who establish Salah. Rabbana wa taqabbal dua. Oh Allah, accept our dua. This is from the Quran. Dua of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. So Allah mentions two injunctions, salah and zakah. These two come in the Quran approximately 70 times. And almost all the time, they come back to back. So let's study this for a minute. What do we see? That salah, this is an ibadah badaniyah, an action of the body. And zakah is ibadah maliyah. Zakah is, a, is an action of the wealth. Salah, its connection with is with khaliq with the Creator. Zakah, the connection is with the creation. So in reality, the deen comprises of these two things. What is that? Ittisalun bil khaliq wa ihsanun ilal makhluq. Connection with the Creator and kindness to the creation. This is what deen is. Connection with the Creator and kindness with the creation. That's it, you sum it up. Do you remember those of you who heard the Arafat talk on the day of Arafat last Thursday? Our whole talk was about the same thing. The parting words of Rasulullah before he passed away, the final words, as well as the, of course, the final khutbah of Hajjat al And what were these two things Rasulullah spoke about? Salah and taking care of the creation. And he started off with the ones who were lowest. Not employees or kids, slaves. Meaning if you're supposed to take care of slaves, then imagine your mom and dad, and your wife and your husband, and your kids, and your neighbors, and so forth. She said, As-salah wa ma malakat aymanukum. Final words before he passed away. And this is what a deen is all about. Relationship with Allah, relationship with the creation. And then the third thing, wa hum bil hum Notice hum comes twice. This is what we call hasr, ta'kid, for emphasis. That these people, they are the only ones who truly believe in the hereafter. Meaning, if you believe in Allah and you believe in hereafter, you're definitely going to pray and you're definitely going to give zakat. If we're weak in our salah or weak in our zakah, in our almsgiving, that means there's definitely a weakness in our faith in Allah or the faith in meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Okay. My brothers, today there was a, a, unfortunately a sad incident in Beirut. Most of you have heard a very you know, horrible, powerful explosion that rocked downtown Beirut. Apparently they're saying it was a, a uh, you know, some sort of uh, explosives that were kept there, fireworks, explosives or something that blew up. Allah knows best what the reality of it is. Obviously the fatalities are going to be, in, uh, unfortunately, in large numbers. I don't know what the exact number is now. This happened about six, seven hours ago. But it's a huge, massive explosion. So as I watched the clip, someone said, 
you know, God be with you, love from America, you know, something like that. Immediately an atheist responds and says on the, on the chat, which I usually don't spend time, waste time reading that, but I was watching and it just came there, so, right? Uh, the, the comment section. And he says, well, oh, if God was ex existing, why did he even allow this to happen? Right? If God was merciful, why does he allow it? If, you know, he should have been there to stop this in the first place. Every day people are saying these things. Our own kids, youth, ask these type of questions. Okay. So my brothers, you have two options. One is you believe in Allah or you don't believe in Allah. If you don't believe in Allah, can you stop this, this explosion? It's done. Hundreds probably died. Hundreds injured. Thousands injured. Billions and millions of, of, of destruction. Every day like this incident is happening. By you not believing in God, how does that stop that? And how does it make anyone feel any better? Nothing. You lived without a purpose and you died without a purpose. You're just some, a little bit more organized atoms. Besides, instead of a water bottle, the atoms are in there and, and on a slice of bread, you're a little bit more organized together. And that's what the atheists say. Right? Besides that, there's no haqiqah. So how does that make us, how does that make anyone feel better? How does that stop anything? On the other hand, you have a believer who believes in Allah. Now he lost his relative or son or daughter in this type of explosion. Someone obviously did. He believes in God. He also cannot stop what happened. It happened. But he's able to give it some understanding. He's able to understand it. He's able to process it. He's able to understand that behind this tragedy, tragedy there's some hidden wisdom of Allah. There is, this is a test from Allah. My children didn't die in vain. My wife didn't die in vain. I'm not going to accept that. They died, but guess what? They're going to be a shaheed. They are already in paradise together. That they have been protected from fitna that was going to come next year and the years after. They died today, they prayed fajr, and they died in the explosion. I don't know if they would have remained Muslim next year or not, the way things are going. There's so many ways to understand that. That they are going to be, they are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to bring two musibahs with them, one in the dunya and the akhirah. They're definitely going to be way ahead than someone who lived a very comfortable life. Okay. So by believing in Allah, you have so many nice things to share with those who've lost their loved ones. You have so many ways to understand and digest bad news. Okay. Because the world is not fair. It's not safe. It's not fair. The weak are, are being devoured by the strong. The rich are devouring the poor. The rich are getting richer. The poor are getting poorer. What are they saying? The economic crisis that we're going through right now. This is the largest exchange of wealth that has ever taken place. Billions and trillions have moved. Yeah, many people, millions have, have gotten poor in this country, but the top, you know, 1% has literally gotten wealthier. And now we may see by 2025, the first trillionaire. Okay? So, it's, 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 it's upsetting, isn't it? Why? Why are the people suffering? The ones who are suffering keep on suffering. When you have belief in akhirah, you can rest at peace. You know that this is, alhamdulillah, this is not the end of it. Someone's done wrong to you, someone's oppressed you, right? You've got bombs coming, showering down upon your family's house and you see your whole family being destroyed in front of you, as is happening every day. You have a way to understand that. You say, oh, it's not over. You know, what? Well, I'll see you in court. Well, you, obviously there's no court here that's going to listen to you. They're all dead. There's a court in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Maliki yawmiddin. That's the benefit of belief in the akhirah. So an atheist life is so hopeless, useless, depressing. Like, why do you even live? Why don't you shoot yourself if you came without a purpose and gonna go without a purpose? You've got no explanation for any of this stuff. Allahu Akbar. So this is why iman bil akhirah, my brothers and sisters, 
is something that will give us so much sukoon and itmi'nan if we have that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ As for those who do not believe in hereafter, زَيَّنَّا لَهُمْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ We have made their deeds fair-seeming to them. We make them, they are impressed with their own deeds. So the simple thing I just spoke to you about an, about an atheist, he'll have 10 things to say to that. He won't sit like you all and just quiet, mashallah, okay, very nice. He will sit there and get riled up and try to give a rebuttal to that. And he will never understand that what he's doing is so sad, useless. We, we ask for guidance for them, and we ask istiqamah for ourselves. Ameen. Right? So Allah says, those who don't believe in the hereafter, زَيَّنَّا لَهُمْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ We have beautified their actions for them. So they never think what they're doing is wrong. It's pretty crazy. When you, when you look at what the people in power are doing, must be it Muslim or non-Muslim. I sometimes like want to beg them, I would go kiss their feet and say, please, stop, stop killing. What's wrong with you, man? Why are you doing this? Can't, don't you, ittaqillah. Don't, don't, I'll do anything for you, but can you please stop this senseless killing? For what? Look what's happening in Syria. Because of just one person. Right? Who's going to explain? Like who's going to get it? They just don't get it. Allah Azza wa Jal has... They're blind. They don't see it. And everywhere else too. The zulm that is going on. They don't, see, they don't see what they're doing. Why they don't see it? Because they don't believe in the hereafter. Wallahi, they don't believe in the hereafter. Even if, even if you are a genuine real Christian or Jew, and you believe in the day of judgment, you cannot commit atrocities the way world powers do today. All of this at the end of the day, there's no, there's no deen besides dollar. And that's what everyone's worshipping, the money. Allah says, those who do not believe in the hereafter, we have made their deeds fair seeming to them. Thus they wander through life blindly in their misguidance. Now, I want to say something here. Sometimes you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shaytan beautified their actions. And sometimes Allah says, We beautified their actions. Which one is it? For the disbelievers, for example. Why don't they ever repent? Or rarely. So the example is given is when a principal or a teacher tells a student, you have failed your exam. You got a 30 out of 100. Sometimes a teacher or principal may say, I have failed you in your exam. I'm giving you a 30. They're the same thing. When a person says, you have failed, and that's exactly what has happened. He, you have failed. You didn't do your work and you failed. You should have studied. And I have failed you doesn't mean you're such an amazing studious student or I just chose to give you 30%. It means you have deserved to be failed. You've asked for it, you didn't study, and that's why you've gotten that. So when Allah says, we have beautified their actions for them, meaning these people, they've deserved it. They want to remain blind. They don't want to take heed. They don't want to take lessons. They don't want to open their eyes, and they remain focused on their misguidance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's why He says, we beautified them. In reality, it's they themselves and, uh, uh, who have fallen prey to shaitan. Ya'mahun. We're almost done, inshallah. One more ayah. Uh, Allah says, Ya'mahun, they're blind. So this is, what the, this is how a hypocrite leads his life. The Prophet said, مَثَلُ الْمُنَافِقِ كَمَثَلِ الشَّاتِ الْعَائِرَ بَيْنَ الْغَنَمَيْنِ تَعِيرُ إِلَى هَذِي مَرَّةً وَإِلَى هَذِي مَرَّةً The example of a hypocrite is like a lost sheep that is going through two flocks. It, it, it's cut off from its own flock of sheep. And it's now amidst goats. Sometimes it's going here, sometimes it's going there. It says, uh, this is not my family, this is not my family. Lost. 
What Allah says in the Quran, مُذَبْذَبِينَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ Stuck in between both camps. لا إله هؤلاء ولا إله هؤلاء Not completely on this end, not completely on that end. That is how a hypocrite is. It's completely lost. He doesn't have a, uh, you know, f- firm faith in anything. Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ سُوءُ الْعَذَابِ وَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرِ مِنَخْسَرُونَ Those are the people for whom there is the very worst torment in this life. Very worst torment in this life. And in the hereafter, it is they themselves who shall be the greatest losers. So in this dunya also, there is torment. You may not see it at the time of death. At the, during their life, the uneasiness. The, the various types of difficulties. Vulma. My brothers, what greater punishment? Someone said, I've shared this story with you. Someone said to a scholar that you say that if you disobey Allah, this will happen, that will happen, this will happen, you'll be punished. I, Alhamdulillah, my life is beautiful, normal. I don't come to the masjid, but everything's going great. So he asked him, when was the last time you were blessed to stand up in front of Allah in salah? When was the last time you were able to put your head down in front of him alone, quietly and shed tears? He said, that I haven't done. He said, then what bigger punishment can there be than you being deprived to stand in front of Allah? What else are you asking for? You're waiting for the roof to fall upon you? That doesn't have to happen. That there's no greater punishment. If the roof fell upon you and you turn to Allah, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. But to, to, to live a luxurious, beautiful, comfortable life and not to feel the need for Allah, that's, that's adab right there. That's adab right there. Not to be able to put this forehead on the ground and to be able to speak to Allah, that's a punishment that I beg Allah that He never makes us see. Right? May Allah allow us to repent from every such sin that becomes a means of depriving us from speaking to Him and from falling and down in sujood in front of Him. Ameen, Ya Rabbul Alameen. So, for them there is a horrible punishment in this world as well as in the hereafter. In the last ayah, Allah says, وَإِنَّكَ لَتُلَقَّ الْقُرْآنَ مِنْ لَدٌ حَكِيمٍ عَلِيمٍ For indeed, O Prophet, you are most surely receiving the Qur'an from the one who is all-wise and all-knowing. This Qur'an that Allah has been describing, which what is it? تَنْزِيلُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ It's revealed from Allah. نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ It's been sent down by Jibreel. It's on the reveal unto the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. So you can become from amongst the warners. Right before Surah Namal started, the previous surah was Surah Shu'ara. This is the last ruku of Surah Shu'ara, what I just recited to you. That is like the best Quranic description of what Quran is. This is Ayah, ayah 192. Ayah 192 to 196. Well, or to, one, uh, to 197. Where Allah speaks about what exactly is the definition of the Qur'an? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling Rasulullah that indeed you are receiving this Qur'an most surely from the one who is all-wise, all-knowing. He's not going to mislead you. He's not going to misguide you. Every single thing, there is wisdom in there. My brothers, if we don't trust Allah, if we don't get to know Allah's wisdom, I'm saying this for myself, uh, we're not going to be able to benefit. You have to trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what He's doing. He's most wise, he's most knowledgeable. His game plan is the best game plan. Trust him for it. Even though it may seem so difficult for us to accept sometimes. And you say, why like this? Why like that? I know all of us are going through our own difficulties in our life. But have trust that what the, the, the plan carved out for you by Allah, there's wisdom in it, even if you can't understand it. And, and 
Allah says in the Quran, Whoever has been given wisdom, indeed he's been given a, a great amount of goodness. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing Allah. Wisdom is recognizing Allah. Wisdom is recognizing Allah's hidden hand in everything. That's why Imam Ghazali said, مَنْ عَرَفَ جَمِيعَ الْأَشْيَاءِ وَلَمْ يَعْرِفِ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ لَمْ يَسْتَحَقَّ أَنْ يُسَمَّ حَكِيمًا Whoever knows everything, Wikipedia, he's memorized it. Google, he knows it. He's a Google you know, himself. He knows everything. But he does not know Allah. He is not worthy of being called wise. Because he has not yet recognized the most virtuous, the most sublime of things. And whoever recognizes Allah, then he is wise. And even if you are slow and dull in all the other sciences and in all the other day to day things, you can't speak well. You can't express yourself well. But you know Allah. Then you are worthy of being called wise. Wisdom is not to just enjoy the blessing without knowing the hand that feeds you. Recognize the mun'im before the ni'mah. Enjoy the moments with the one who gave you the blessing instead of focusing just on the blessing. Recognize the one who gave you nidham and order in your life instead of just enjoying the order in our lives. And that's what we will be called wise people who understand and recognize Allah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the blessing of understanding the Qur'an, reciting it with contemplation, following it. We ask Allah to grant us the ability to focus on these three ayat, kawniyah, taqwiniyah, qur'aniyah, and allow every moment that we spend with the Qur'an to become a means of us gaining more connect, uh, wisdom, gaining more iman. We ask Allah to allow us to have that level of iman which will make it easy for us to bring the Quran into our lives. We have some brothers and sisters who are sick. I would like to make dua for them. Uh, uh, one of them I told you uh, was that seven-year-old girl who got diagnosed with cancer um, uh, recently from our community. Then we had our brother who was uh, advanced, uh, another advanced cancer, our brother Sajid. I went to go visit him the other day. If you can, he's your neighbor, right? Right in Surrey Drive. Um, uh, so may Allah grant him shifa and uh, this uh, Kulthum, this girl who's seven year old then we heard very sad news of a young Hafiz al-Quran Abdul Hadi today uh, who also apparently has a jeep he's 30 years old you know uh, from uh, Chicago an amazing person very very connected with the youth I don't know I can't like it's can't believe such young age subhanAllah apparently he got caught with advanced cancer too and he's going through treatment and then I found out one of our uh, ulama friends Mulana Sajid Muti Sajid some of you may remember his father, Shabir Ali uncle, from Amco Masjid near Elgin, up north. He always comes and does barbecues for all the masjids for free. And he makes his own homemade burger called Ali Burger. All the Darussalam barbecues too. Alhamdulillah, he'd come and done that. So he had some bone procedure. And as they were doing it, they found out that he has stage 4 lung cancer. So right now, he's in the ICU too, having trouble breathing. So please make dua for brother Sh uncle Shabir as well. And all the many others that we're not aware of. Who are also sick. This is the dars of Quran. The rahmah of Allah comes. Inshallah, our duas will hopefully get accepted. And I ask you to make dua for yourself that Allah gives you and I steadfastness to attend regularly. Okay. Last week we had a completely different group of people besides one or two. This week different group of people. Every week we have different. We hope that this doesn't become a revolving door and that people get the tawfiq to actually come regularly. This comes from Allah. 
You know, seriously, you see the fact. You think, I, I'm sure no one says, I'm not going to come. But this tawfiq comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we ask Allah to give, give us tawfiq too. Uh, I was telling Dr. Saab today, I said from all the masjids within 40 to 50 miles away from here, this may be the only on-site program that is currently taking place in the entire region. To my knowledge, an entire region, 40, 50 miles in either direction, to find an active weekly program besides, of course, Juma. It's, it's almost impossible. It's crazy. So you guys are holding it up right now, these 10 of us here. Right? Just think about it. It's not like, oh, there's 10 other programs. It's so scary what, what, what type of era we're living in. What type of era we're living in. SubhanAllah. So, if even, so take this as an honor that you're blessed today. Right? So hopefully you're here next week. And hopefully you bring a few more people. And eventually we're going to stand up together and get over this. But not showing up to the masjid and not showing up to Durus is not going to end the coronavirus anytime soon. Right? That's not. It really is not. Use your all protective measures and turn to Allah and seek His assistance. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم السلام ونك السلام وتوارث هذا الجلال والكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحيث الآن عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك يا حي يا قيوم يا أحد الصمد الذي لم يرد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد ظلمنا أنفسنا ظلمنا أنفسنا ظلمنا أنفسنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا نكون من الخاسرين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم شف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم شف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم شف شفاء كاملا دائما عاجل مستمرا نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم نحيت منا فحيا الإسلام وانت وفيت منا فتوفاه على الإيمان اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم واعف عنهم وادخلهم الجنة اللهم نقي من الذنوب كما ينقى ثوب الأبيض من الناس اللهم اجعل قبرهم روضة من رياض الجنة ولا تجعل حفرة من حفر النار اللهم لا تحرمنا أجرهم ولا تفتنا بعدهم اللهم أبدلهم دارا خيرا من دارهم وأهلا خيرا من أهلهم اللهم إنا نسألك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم ارحمنا بدرك المعاصي أبدا ما أبقيتنا اللهم ارحمنا بدرك المعاصي أبدا ما أبقيتنا اللهم اجعل القرآن العظيم ربيع قلوبنا وجلاء أحزاننا وذهاب همومنا وغمومنا وسائقنا إلى جناتك جنات النعيم اللهم اجعل القرآن العظيم حجة لنا اللهم اجعل القرآن العظيم حجة لنا اللهم يا حي يا قيوم علمنا تأويل القرآن علمنا تفسير القرآن اللهم يا حي يا قيوم ارزقنا اللهم ارزقنا حبك وحب من يحبك وحب عمل الذي يبلغنا إلى حبك والله ويسر جرأة شفاء to all those who are sick Allah grant forgiveness to all those who passed away Allah God grant strength to the families who are dealing with sick sick members of of their family or who are dealing with people who have passed away grant them patience Oh Allah wherever the ummah is going through a difficulty Allah have mercy upon them Ya Allah remove this waba Remove this epidemic from the Ummah, remove this fitna from the, from the Ummah, remove this fitna from the Ummah. Oh Allah, allow us to remain steadfast on the deen. Allow us all to remain connected with the masjid. Allow us to remain connected with salah with jama'ah. Allow us to remain connected with gatherings of ilm and dhikr. Oh Allah, allow the communities, ya Allah, to actively, ya Allah, with, 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 with all precautionary measures, reopen their masajid and allow the people, ya Allah, having trust in you and using all the means that are available, stay, allow them to come back to your masajid, ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, once again populate the masajid of the world. Oh Allah, open up the Harabin Sharifain. Oh Allah, open up all the all the masajid oh Allah allow people ya Allah to, to once again start, start attending halaqat of Quran and dhikr oh Allah we ask you Allah to grant all of us the ability to, 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 to connect with our Quran to, with the Quran to recite the, the Quran beautifully with tajweed to learn its meanings to understand its meanings to understand its tafsir and to become students of the Quran for the rest of our lives oh Allah we ask you to protect uh, all of the brothers who are sitting here attending here may Allah, oh Allah reward them each and every one of them for giving the time to come here reward their families and those who are listening online reward them allow them to benefit tremendously oh 
Allah, make every one of us a flag bearer of Islam. Oh Allah, protect our homes, protect our iman, protect our deen, protect our families. Oh Allah, protect our wealth and health. Oh Allah, protect this institution and all masajid, all madaris, all deen institutions. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.
Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah Ashadu an la ilaha illa Ashadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah Ashadu anna Muhammad Hey, Allah 